0: I the you in hair. She said away.
1: Half the battle is back. bong it's me, Daniel Levy, your host. We're going to be talking UFC Hidalgo, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Johnson. And joining me to break down UFC Hidalgo is the host of Before the Bald Man Speaks and the co-host of the MMA Circus, my man, Andrew the Clown King Lawrence. Andrew, welcome back to After Battle, my man.
2: Hey man, it's great to be back. It's
0: fantastic always to break down these fights. Love this show. Huge fan of the show. So it's just an honor to be here. And um, I actually think this is a great fight card. I know a lot of people are taking the shit on it. But I think there's some really great matchmaking and some really fun ones. Um, But we'll get to that uh, as the show goes along.
1: Well, as we were talking about off air, you know, people like to shit on everything. But as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) when you got Dustin Poirier in the main event of a free card. I mean, that's a home run right there. I mean, I want to see this guy fight every other week. So, you know, it's funny because if I were to go on your show after this fight, if Dustin Poirier wins this fight, we'd be talking about how smart the UFC was to book him in that main event slot and to build him as a, you know, as a next star, man.
0: I think it's an important step that they have to start taking with the contenders in the lower weight classes, meaning like 155 and below, like the the, the lighter fighters, in that they have to get five-round experience. It's a whole different ballgame in MMA, fighting a five-round fight versus a three-round fight. We've talked about before how we think elite-level MMA should move to a five-round fight as opposed to a three-round fight. That's neither here nor there, but... A lot of great things coming out of this. Really excited about Dustin. Really excited about the evolution of MMA in Mexico. And I think that's a lot of what we're going to see, especially in the undercard portion of this fight.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of Mexico, we got Gabriel Benitez. He's plus 140. And Sam Cecilia is a minus 160 favorite right here. Now, I'm really glad that you're my guest for this episode of the show because you always like to talk about how, you know, there's the punching bags to the stars, right? Well, sure. Sam Cecilia is that to Michael Chiesa, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Julia Pena, Juliana Pena was getting the best of him either, you know what I mean? But look, it's that situation with Sam Cecilia. It's like everyone's like, oh, he trains with Michael Chiesa, therefore he's going to win this fight. I'm like, come on, man. He's got. He's a 500 UFC fighter. He's been knocked out more than once. Now, I know Gabriel got knocked out his last fight, but listen, man. Anyone takes that shin to the chin, I don't care who you are, you're going down. It is what it is. But he put up a very valiant effort before that. I mean, he was blasting Andre Feely with those kicks. I think that his southpaw stance, the fact that he keeps his range, he blasts those hard, hard kicks that I alluded to, that's going to give Sam Sicilia a lot of problems. Look, obviously we got to look out for, you know, the big right hand. I mean, this guy, you know, he, he can brawl, I get it, but this ain't a bar fight. This is the UFC. And if you ask Javier Mendez the coach of AKA, who kicks the hardest, out of uh, all your guys. He's not going to say Luke Rockhold, he's not going to say Cain Velasquez, he's going to say Gabriel Benitez. You can quote me on that. So I'm taking the underdog here and I think he's going to blast his way with kicks to uh, either a knockout or a 3027. What do you think my man?
0: I love that we're already starting out with picking underdogs because you know me, I'm going to find the dogs, I'm going to tell you guys about the value buys that I like. And this is what I've circled. I have some concerns with him fading late in this fight. So if you see him struggling in that second round, you know watch out for him in the third round. Because what I I am I am a big fan of Sam Sicilia. I think he's a tough, durable guy. He's had some bad matchups. I mean, he got knocked out by Duho Choi. You're gonna get knocked out by Duho Choi. That's what happens when you fight him. It's just an inevitability. Um, he KO'd Godofredo Pepe, I think, in Brazil. So you know, this is a guy who can go into hostile territory and kind of put up a good showing. He is the favorite in the spot. Um, he has a bullying game. So if he's the bigger, more physically imposing guy, he's going to get in there and do that. Unfortunately, I think that um, Gabriel is is a speed guy, and he's going to outshine him both with um, you know his footwork and with his hand speed. Um, that's at least my opinion. It's kind of hard. You know, we don't have all that much tape, and we don't have all that much elite-level um, experience from from Benitez, but I, I do get the impression that he's going to be fast with the hands. I'd, I'd make a small wager on uh, him at, I think he's floating at 140 right now, so maybe lock that in before some other people get sharp.
1: Oh, yeah. I already hit it when it was plus 150 a couple of days ago. <laughs> I've been eyeing this spot even before I knew he was the underdog. And then once I saw that plus 150, I was like, all right, I'm moving in. I mean, it's one of them lifelong fades on Sam Cecilia. You know, it's no disrespect. Like you said, hey, you like him a lot because he's an exciting fighter. I exactly. Like him too. He is an exciting fighter. I love watching exciting fighters. But, you know, when we wager on these fights that I mean, I'll take look if you got to lay on him for three. Hey, I'll take it if we're, if we're going to cash. But. You know, you know what it is, man.
0: You gotta use the brain, not the heart, on these things. I feel for the guy. I think he is a good fighter, and and, and he's not a bad fighter. He dominated, um, yeah, you know, Meza in his last fight, just in all facets of it. Um, so, you know, uh, but you, like like you said, you gotta, you can't go with your fandom. You gotta go with uh, how you see the matchups fade, and and I think there's some value right now in uh, Mugli and Benitez.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, if uh, Sam Cecilia can Sam Cecilia can catch him, then hey. God bless you, man. You know, pat on the back. It is what it is. May the best man win. Yeah. But I think the best man is going to be Gabriel Benitez. So uh, we're going to tune in to find out. And I got one unit on the line for that fight. Oh. So next up, man, it just keeps getting better. We got Chaz the Scrapper Skelly. He's minus 190. The comeback on Maximo Blanco is plus 165. Now, you know, just like we were talking about with Sam Cecilia, very exciting fighter, both of these guys are very exciting fighters. And Maximo Blanco, I know as a betting man, you know, you can't always trust him because, you know, he's prone to get DQ'd, misses weight. Not that that impacts the outcome of the fight, but I mean the DQ part, you don't want any part of that, right? But I'll tell you what, man, as a fan, Maximo Blanco is very exciting to watch. The flying knees, the big rights, the big left hook. And I mean, he's got a wrestling background too, so you know if shit's not working on the feet, he can take you down. But uh, I think Chaz the Scrapper Skelly's got a better wrestling game here. But he's going to have to weather a serious storm here early on because with Maximo, I mean, you don't get out of fighting Maximo Blanco without taking a few shots. Unless you're uh, that kid, uh, Luke Sanders, I'll tell you what, man, that kid impressed me a lot to come in there on a week short notice and to finish Maximo in the first round. But at the same time, it could be said that that was that classic letdown spot because Maximo Blanco was initially supposed to fight Dennis Bermudez, which, you know, top 10 guy, you're (laughs) going to get up for that fight, and then they tell you, you know, you're fighting Luke Sanders, a guy you've never heard of coming off the RFA. You know, it's one of them things where it's like, fuck, man, you know. it's, it's, It's that classic letdown spot, but I'm not discrediting Luke Sanders. He went out there and did his thing. As far as Chaz the Scrapper Skelly is concerned, man, if he can weather that storm, not get knocked out in the first round, then he's going to probably take down Maximo Blanco, choke him out as Maximo, you know, starts to gas out. But make no mistake about it. Maximo Blanco's no slouch at all. I mean, he's got a victory over Dan Hooker, and you guys know Dan Hooker is a, an up-and-coming guy in that division. But at the end of the day, I think the fact that Chaz the Scrapper Skelly moved to the Black Zillions, I think that's the best career move he could have made. You know, he's training with the kinds of guys that he needs to be training with, and I think we're going to see those improvements on Saturday night, man.
0: Yeah. Uh you know, it's funny, the first part, when you mentioned and started discussing Maximo Blanco, you said, like, something about him being untrustworthy. The, I, I wrote down a note that I found in my, in my logs It says, Maximo Blanco is not trustworthy with money. And that is my advice to anyone watching this program in the betting realm. Um... You know, I love picking dogs more than anyone, probably to my own detriment, but this is a, a dog I would avoid only because you don't know which, uh, you know, kind of Maximo block. Actually, you do know who's going to show up. He's going to go out there, he's going to be wild, and that recklessness can sometimes lead him into bad spots. The illegal me against Khorasani, you talked about it. Um, you know, and then you look at the spots that he did beat people, he beat Andy Ogle, um, he beat Dan Hooker. The, uh, the stoppage against Mike De La Torre was, um, you know, kind of abrupt. And then you see something like Luke Sanders, a guy come in there and just look masterful. And I don't want to take anything away from that performance because it was, you know, something special. But um, you, you got to show better than that, I think, if you're a veteran guy in the UFC. And Chesko, is no joke, you know. He's at a hometown fight. He's a Texas guy. Um, he's 31, so he's finally, like, evolving into his, you know, latter years in these lower weight classes. 31 is kind of, you know, getting up there. Um I don't think his game's going to start digressing or anything, but I think he's he's grown into himself as a fighter. So I think Chad Skelly's dangerous here. I think he's 190. Um, maybe parlay fodder or just pass.
1: Yeah, I'd recommend passing just because whenever Maximo Blanco's fighting, there's a chance you can get knocked out. I mean, yes. when you sign the dotted line to fight Maximo Blanco, you have to accept the reality that, hey, this guy can knock me out, you know? But if I can weather his storm, make him gas himself out, you know, and make him burn himself out. That's when you take him down. That's when you choke him out. Now, I know that Darren Elkins was able to, you know, put the pressure on Chaz Kelly, but this is a completely different matchup, man. You know, with uh, with Maximo, he doesn't have that three-round cardio yeah. like Elkins. Elkins is just a, he's a different animal. And uh, I think Chaz, he, he said it best. He said, I took that ass whooping like a man. And that's all there is to say. Then he moved to the Black Zillions. I think he's going to have success here in his uh, Black Zillions debut. Now, next up on the docket, we got Islam Mahashev. He's minus 120 and Chris Wade is plus 100. Now, uh, you know, this is an interesting fight, man. At first, when it was announced, I was like, dude, I got no idea. But then I looked into it more, and I'm leaning more towards uh, Mahashev's way. First oh, yeah. of all,
2: you,
1: you don't you, one doesn't simply pick against a Russian, you know what I'm saying? These Russians <laughs> know how to fight, man. They're good everywhere, you know, on the yeah. feet. They transition to the takedowns real well. And, you know, people are saying, oh, you got knocked out by Adriano Martinez in the first round. I'm like, look, dude. Adriano Martins is got- a beast. I know, man. Chris Twain would have got knocked out by Adriano, too. It's no shame in losing to a guy like that. And, I mean, look, he's young. He was learning his craft. I never underestimate a man's ability to rise to the occasion. And, I mean, he's training at a great gym, a.k.a. So I expect him to come better here. But here's the thing with the matchup. So – it's not often that you say Chris Wade is a better striker than someone, but Chris Wade's actually a better striker than Mahashev here. But the thing is, you know, I, I'm not sure where Chris's confidence is, you know, with his stand-up because in that fight with uh, Rustam, he drops him with a front kick. Two seconds later, he's on his back. So okay, so maybe you hit uh, Islam with a with a front kick, and then two seconds later, you'll be on your back because if they engage in grappling, which they will, Mahashev's going to get the better of those exchanges, no doubt in my mind. So. I think is going to pull this one off, man, and you're going to see some nice judo throws. You're going to see some nice advancement of positions. You might even see a submission here, but I, I think it might go the distance, but don't be surprised if uh, someone gets tapped out here.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you could – you might want to speculate and get in a, a submission on either side I could see getting this. I do lean uh, to the Dagestani boy. Um, like we talked about, there's no shame in being knocked out by uh, – adriano martinez he's a vicious kickboxer and you're talking about a guy who doesn't have a great kickboxing background but is gaining confidence in that realm i think he just felt very confident he had the confidence of an undefeated fighter you know went in there against a guy and thought you know I'll, i'll lay hands on a guy like this um you know incorrect you dealt with a guy who understood spacing to an elite level um you know but you learn and you grow from fights like this and you know that was back in october of um 2015, that's one of the only things that kind of gives me a little bit of pause here in saying, you know, go full force on uh, a bet on Islam here is that, you know, it has been all that time between fights and you don't know where the mentality is with a fighter who's gone on a loss. Has he used this loss to catapult and do better things? He's at a great camp. He's at AKA, you know, moving from Dagestan to, you know, that West Coast probably feels real nice. Um, But, you know, where's this like that? Where's the mentality at? There's a lot of questions. Uh, You want to take a swing on this slight dog, I'd say go ahead, but make it light.
1: Well, the thing about where his head's at is, look, he's surrounding himself with great people. So that, to me, you know, that's a good sign. Because when you're surrounded by guys like Khabib Nurmagomedov, guys like Javier Mendez, and all, you know, all the champions at AKA, you know, Dan Cormier, Cain Velasquez, Luke Rockhold, when you're surrounded by guys like that, it has to not just you know, improve your skills, but your mentality too, because all those guys have taken losses before, and they've overcame those losses, no matter how devastating or vicious they were. You know, uh, Cain Velasquez, when he got knocked out by Junior Cigano, he went on to win the belt again, and DC Cormier, you know, when he uh, when he lost to John Jones, you know, at the time he thought, man, I'm never going to be the champion.
2: Six yeah. months later,
1: he's the champion, so, you know, it's all about uh, rising again, and I think Islam can do that here, man.
0: Yeah, one thing I want to say on the other side of this coin, Chris Wade, I, I feel like, has had kind of softballs thrown at him in the UFC. Um, you know, no, I know how stupid that term is, but you, you know what I mean. This it, it, is a guy who's beat, you know, who's had to fight Christianos uh, or uh, Gigaios. you know. Um, yeah, yeah, Zang, yeah, you know, uh, he fought that Chinese dude, Zhang uh, LiPeng, too. So, like, you know. Yeah,
1: I, I was bummed when they cut Zhang LiPeng, man. No, no bullshit. <laughs>
0: Why <laughs> like, was there some grand money making scheme I wasn't aware of? Um No um so you know I, I think sure you lose to a guy like Rusam Havilov and you say, Oh but it's Havilov but you know I think he's beat some softer competition and Islam's hard as is a rock. So I, I really lean towards Dagestan's way.
1: Yeah, now next up in my opinion is a prime example of why, you know, Joe Silva is truly a gem because Hone Carnero is plus 100. Kenny Robertson is mm-hmm. minus 120. I'm telling you what, man, if these two grapple, it's going to be a sight to see because with Hone Jukao, I mean, high-level jiu-jitsu black belt. And Kenny Robertson, D1 wrestler, but he's known for tapping dudes out with those funky – uh With the leg thing, man. right? Yeah. And uh, Hone Jukao is dropping a 170. Kenny Robertson, he's coming off an ACL surgery, so he had to completely go out of shape. Now he had to get himself back in shape. This is going to be a really good scrap, man. I'm praying, you know, normally I pray that guy's a stand and bang here. I'm hoping they go to the map, man, because it's going to be one of them fights. Like, uh, you know, back when Charles Oliveira, you know, used to have all those fights with all those scrambles, like that first Nick Lentz fight. Like, It's going to be one of those kind of fights in my opinion. It's tough to say who gets the edge because like I mentioned, man, I mean, Kenny Robertson coming off the ACL surgery and Honju Kao dropping 15 pounds that late in his career. But at the same time, you know, the people that train with Honjukao, you know, his gym is here in Atlanta, man. So I talk to all of them all the time. They say, man, he's lean as fuck. He's looking better than ever. He's motivated. He's hungry. So once again, you can never underestimate a man's ability to rise to the occasion. So, hey, man, if Honju cow's motivated and hungry, then uh this is a good time to catch Kenny Robertson just because of that ACL surgery. But uh we got to see where his head's at. You know, he's coming off a, a big loss. But at the same time, man fact that he was willing to drop those 15 pounds that shows me his dedication his drive and his motivation so you know i like both of these guys a lot obviously hon jucao legend of at atl and kenny Robertson has been on my show super cool guy so you know it's one of them fights i can't wait to sit back as a fan and uh just enjoy it but since i have to give a pick because we're on half the battle you know i gotta represent atl man hon jucao so please uh one of you guys initiate you know the takedowns man let's see you two grapple
0: yeah, you hope it isn't one of those classic situations with two guys who are great at grappling decides to put on a lackluster kickboxing event. I think if it goes
1: down... Way- versus Chris Wyman.
0: there you go, right? Um, I-, I think that uh, I think that if it goes down that route, you might actually see Kenny Robertson do some fun stuff. Um, you know, people are talking about the weight classes uh, as far as uh, you know, Juan Caneros, uh, you know, size difference and everything. But he won that tournament at 170 pounds, didn't he? You know, that one that um.
1: I know he beat three dudes in one night,
0: but... Yeah, it was that weird tournament. Jill Sonnen was the host. Um, what's his name? teen was there. Can you... Cody? Know- oh, no, he beat Brock uh, Larson, who's, like, actually a legit fighter, to win that. So this is a dude who's, like, willing and ready to make sacrifices to stay in this game, you know, um... A guy who's at ups and downs in his career left the UFC back in the day, back in the day, um, and really committed himself to getting back there and had a, a rocky road getting back. Um, I like him here. As, as much as, as Kenny Robinson is cool for doing that funky meat bar, I haven't really seen a, a lot of great stuff from him since then. Um, a split decision loss to Ben Saunders a year ago makes me raise my eyebrows and say, like, oh, God, like, you know, where's – where's that all at and you know the ACL surgery Jesus Christ man what, what and not not a place where I want to invest money um, I think you could make a, a decent play here uh, on the Brazilian cat so um I, I like him this fight I like him by maybe by decision because Kenny's a slick dude and smart I, I'm debating a late submission decision victory here
1: I like it man uh, you know may the best man win for sure now for sure. this is a good fight too Evan Dunham, he's minus 350. Oh, shit. And the comeback on Rick Lenz plus 290. Damn, son, I was going to sit it out, but, you know, if it hits plus three, you might have to take the dance. I mean, look, here's the deal. I-, I hate when people talk about how, oh, this guy's deserving. Look, don't use the word deserve in this sport. But in a situation like this, If there's someone that's deserving of a short notice call, it's Rick Glenn. I mean, this guy's paid his dues. He's a veteran of the game. He's a great Ruthless Sports striker. So, you know what to expect the hand fighting, the body kicks, the slick movement. I mean, they don't really move their heads a lot, but they don't get hit a lot. You know, those guys guys know how to fight on the feet. You take them down, you're not safe either. They can uh, tap dudes out off their backs, too. But, you know, obviously with Evan Dunham, you got to respect the guy's grind. I mean, this guy can grind out anyone, anyone. And on his night, man, I mean, you know, that fight against Shirk, I thought he won. The fight against Rafael Dos Anos, many people thought he won that fight. So it's one of the things where on his best night, man, he can he can contend with anyone in the world. It's one of them things where, uh, you know, is he starting to age a little bit? He had a couple surgeries. But, you know, you can never underestimate the grind of Evan Dunham. So it's one of those things where, you know, is Evan Dunham going to try to, you know, initiate that grind, which is what he should do. Now let's say he does take down – rick glenn and you know is able to get on top of him i don't think he's gonna pass his guard and full mount him or anything like that i think but i also don't think that rick glenn's gonna be able to get back up so it's one of those things where he can you know score the decision but if evan dunham decides to be like i'm gonna welcome this kid to the ufc and stand up with him rick glenn could cash as the underdog so it just depends how the fight goes down really and for me i have to sit back and enjoy it as a fan and that's the bottom line
0: yeah, I, I have to sit back and watch Evan Dunham probably school this guy in the grind. I mean, honestly, Rick Glenn, Glad- you know, the gladiator, a um, original dude, uh, won regional pro- titles for a while, but, you know, I, I worry when I hear a Rufus Sport guy against a, a wrestle grinder. And uh, I, I, not just anyone, but Rick, uh, oh, Rick, Jesus Christ, Evan Dunham. Um, you know, he was ranked 13 in the, in the UFC, um, it, with good reason. It, it's that he has the ability to shut down elite fighters and elite grinders and implement uh, a, a wrestling based attack. You know, it, he is the inheritor of uh, Jacob Volkman's style, you could say. If, if you know, someone's got to carry on that spirit. He ground out uh, Ross Pearson, ground out Joe Lozon, and I don't see any reason why he's not going to grind out uh, Rick Glenn. Rick Glenn must be a late replacement. Who's he, who's he replacing him for? Uh, Abel Trujillo. Oh, that would have been a much more interesting fight, but I think, uh, once again, another fight that Evan Dunham's probably going to grind the shit out of Abel Trujillo. Um, I just think his grind game is one of those elite grind games. It's not going to be an entertaining fight, but it's it's a style that you got to be an honor, and you got to tip your cap to, uh, to Mr. Dunham. He'll maintain his, uh, his gatekeeper status in the top 15.
1: Co-main event of the evening. Derek Brunson, he's minus 200, and Uriah Hall is plus 170. So we got New York's Uriah Hall. You know, So does he still train at Shulman's? Actually, I heard he
0: no. moved to California, right? Yeah, he's all over the place, bouncing around California. He had a big falling out with Tiger Shulman's. So there was like a big, uh, yeah, there was a big to-do about it. He, he recently, in an interview leading up to this fight, was said, like, fuck Tiger which He's been very polite about the fight. He never went into the public sphere about it, but I think it was a big falling out. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the money, papa, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I don't
1: know what their situation is. I just know that they're producing guys like Jimmy Rivera, who you you all know I'm very high on that guy. So, sure. You know, but everyone's got to do what they got to do, right?
0: And there's different Tiger Showman gyms, right? So like Jimmy oh, okay. Rivera, yeah, you know, exactly. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different people and moving parts, and, and I, no one ever had a real clear picture or understanding from me about what the financial relationship was. That's why I kind of thought it was super shady, too, and probably why uh, why he bounced out. And, and he needs wrestling training, and, and you're not really going to get that too much at, at, at Tiger Shulman's, especially the, the gyms he was training at.
1: Yo, man, he needed to hit up uh, my boy Jimmy because Jimmy can wrestle. I'll tell you <laughs> he can wrestle his ass off. <laughs> he doesn't
0: need the wrestling training. You need, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, but as far as this fight concerned, man, I mean, look, Derek Brunson, a lot of people are picking him very confidently going into this fight. Now, the reason that I have a little bit of hesitation, not only the fact that on Uriah Hall's best day – He can knock out Gegard Mousasi. On his worst day, he loses to John Howard. But it just goes to show that he can contend with anyone in the world beating a guy like Mousasi. People are like, oh, but nine times out of ten, Mousasi would have won. Yeah, well, guess what? They don't fight ten times. They only fight once, (laughs) maybe twice if you're lucky, maybe thrice, you know, once in a blue moon. But the bottom line is it's all about this one time they're going to fight, not this fucking potential hypothetical bullshit that you guys come up with in your minds. Not all of you, some of you. uh, Look, man, it's one of them things where – you know, Derek Brunson thinks he's a striker now, so that that's my hesitation right there. That's why I'm not confident in him because you know, there's certain guys you can think you're a striker against. You can think you're a striker against Honju Kao. You can think you're a striker against uh, Ed Herman. But uh, when you start thinking you're a striker against Uriah Hall, you better fucking be a striker, man, because if you're not, you're going to get knocked out. You're going to look up at the lights and ask the ref what happened. So, you know, Derek's got to go back to his wrestling here. Now, Uriah, I mean, I don't think his ground game's half bad. I think it's you know, the guys that beat him are the guys that put a lot of pressure on him, unless he just decides not to throw. But Whitaker, I mean, if Whitaker is a, a fucking beast, there's there's no shame in losing to that guy. In the third round of that fight, Uriah Hall came out hard, man, throwing those kicks. So, it's again, it comes down to, you know, you know how I hate talking about how, oh, which guy's going to show up because it discredits the opponent. But look, man, if Uriah comes out, lets his kicks, lets his hands go, I think he can knock out Brunson. But if he doesn't, it's going to be a long night for him. But. What do you think, man? Is Derek going to test his stand-up here for the fourth fight in a row, or is he going to go back to his wrestling roots, which he should?
0: I don't know. I've been, I've been following his Twitter feed for this last week, uh, week and a half, and I think that he has a really good idea of shutting down your eye Hall. He's made no secret that he's going to test the takedown defense. Now, could that be subterfuge? Could that be espionage? Yeah, but I really think it, uh, the better espionage move here is to – like Derek Brunson, you know, wrestle fuck the hell out of Uriah Hall. I think he can great get top position in that ground and pound. Will probably TKO him. I think that's the clear. When I see clear paths to victory like this, you know, those are huge red flags to me against you know a, a potential uh, uh, large bet. Now, Uriah Hall explosive, unorthodox, crazy, maybe a fighter who might finally be coming into his own, maybe a guy who's finally catching his edge. What I worry about in a fight with Uriah Hall is I worry when he's too friendly with a guy, when he's too taking a fight too casually. In this fight, he seems to be really invested in, in having like a real beef with, um, with Derek Brunson. So that excites me. As a fight fan, I think that this is going to be an exciting fight as well. Um, it's a pass ultimately on a bet for me because I don't want to pull the trigger on Uriah Hall. He's burnt me one too many times. I always seem to be betting him when he's losing and (laughs) fading him when he's winning. So, um, I've I've gone to that well one too many times. Uh, you know, burnt my hand on that stove one too many times. So I'm not going to bet this, but I I, I get what you're saying uh, with Uriah Hall. He's just a lot of question marks for me on this. Um... But like i said i think he's engaged in this fight uh, uh, emotionally and i think that that makes for a very exciting Uriah.
1: yeah definitely i mean once again i'm gonna sit out that one because you know you never know what's going to happen with those two because again is Derek brunson gonna think he's a striker here is he gonna go back to his wrestling is your eye hall gonna let his strikes go or is he gonna just stare at brunson there's too many questions for me to invest my money but hey if you guys know something that i don't know go for it and uh, let me know how it works out but the main event of the evening Dustin the Diamond Poirier, minus 165. The comeback on Michael the Menace Johnson is plus 145. Now, uh, before we break down their styles, you know, me and uh, my boy, the MMA genius, shout out to the MMA genius. He was uh, he was like, dude, next time uh, Michael Johnson fights a southpaw, we're going to fade his ass. Well, uh, we, our wish, uh, you know, it's like the genie. He rubbed the lamp. He was like, your wish is my command because now he's fighting. Not, not, not only is he fighting a southpaw, he's fighting a southpaw that's been destroying dudes that's been knocking out guys that don't ever get knocked out no one's ever knocked out carlos diego no one's ever knocked out yancy Medeiros. no one's ever knocked out bobby green no one's ever 30 26 joe duffy what we're seeing with dustin the diamond poirier is he's really coming into his own here at 155 i mean he was always a top five guy at featherweight but now that he's up at lightweight i mean i see a future world champion with this guy man i mean like I said, he's putting away guys that don't get put away. He's, you know, the biggest question with, with him was always, oh, can he take the shots and this and that. But hey, man, ever since he went up a weight class, he's taken the shots fine from some really heavy hitters. Joe Duffy is a really heavy hitter. Bobby Green, I mean, to knock out a guy like that who's known for being, you know. He, he likes to be cocky, and the fans hate on him, but if you actually watch what he's doing, it's very hard to hit Bobby Green. I mean, Edson Barbosa you know, had a point fight him because he couldn't uh, put him down, man, and uh, no one's ever put down Bobby Green. I know Tim Means had something to say about that back in the day, but no one's ever put down Bobby Green in the UFC until Dustin came along, and Dustin did it with relative ease, man. He, he made it look easy. You don't make it look easy against these guys that he's fighting. Now with uh, Michael Johnson, A lot of people like to act like he's a point fighter, but he's not a point fighter. He actually tries to knock dudes out. The biggest problem is that he really doesn't have much knockout power now don't get me wrong he he catches me on the chin he'll put me out cold i'm not talking shit but on the ufc level i don't think he's got the most knockout power now you know the fight with benny everyone thinks that he got robbed but i mean you go watch that fight man he was swinging at air that whole fight dude you know okay the end of the first round he landed one nice punch you know congrats it's a fight you're supposed to land nice punches aside from that he was swinging at air and eating a jab so to me you know that was the first time where i started to be like well maybe he had an off night but then once I saw the Diaz fight, I was like, okay, this dude's slowing down a little bit. You know, he's g- two fights in a row he gases out in the second round and has nothing in the third round. And with Dustin, you don't want to gas out against a guy like Dustin. And historically speaking, with Michael Johnson, I mean, you, I mean, you know, he's been submitted like ten, eight, eight to ten times or something like that in his career, right? So let's say uh, the going goes rough on the feet for Dustin, which I don't think it will. Dustin can take him to the ground and tap him out too, man. So. Michael, you know, I don't want to underestimate him because a fight's still a fight. And Michael's a world class guy, trains with world class coaches and training partners at the Black Zillions, you know, and he's beat monsters such as Edson Barboza and Tony Ferguson. Can never underestimate him. But the way the styles match up, I think Dustin does what Michael does, but he's better and he has more ways to win. You know, they're both Southpaws, but Michael struggles against Southpaws. You know, uh Dustin does fine. I mean he uh I know Connor beat him. But Connor would beat Michael too. But he beat uh, Eric Koch, who's a southpaw, and he was fine there, man. So to me, I think uh, I think Dustin's gonna put him away, whether it's a knockout or a submission. He's gonna put him away, and uh, he's gonna climb his way to that to that goal, bro.
0: Well, right now, uh, I think Michael Johnson's floating at like 140. And I was talking about this with. Um... I forget who I was talking about it with on Twitter. we were talking about the price on him, he started at like a close, I think it was like a plus 120, and he's slowly been kind of climbing up. Because a lot of people are thinking, like you are, on Dustin. I think that there is value. I I like the idea of the Michael Johnson bet, but I've hated the price. If I could get him at like a 200 or like a 225, I think there's a brilliant bet on Michael Johnson. Because there is this chance, and that is, you know, Michael Johnson's the better athlete in this, in this fight, and he also, I think, has the faster hands. Now, he has the coaching and the technical know-how to fight on the outside and probably, you know, pick Diamond Poirier uh, apart. But what Poirier wants to do is negate styles like that, and what he excels at is negating styles like that. You know, he's a dude who's going to close those distance and put hands on you. He's a dude who brings violence and rushes. But back to Michael Johnson, I think his problem is, is he, you know, he's being trained to be a range fighter, to, you know, to be a, a proper kickboxer, but when he throws his punches, he just wants to put so much goddamn power in them that he ends up tiring himself out once we get into the late second round, late third round, and that's what we're seeing in the Darius fight, that's what we're seeing late in the Diaz fight as soon as he begins to struggle, he begins to put more power and more struggle into his punches, and that affects his cardio and his ability to, to play on the outside like he like he can and use footwork. And then when you get, you get tired, your footwork is the first thing to go. So that's why I need that very high price to pay for Michael Johnson, and if we don't get that by, you know, fight time, I'm not going to pull that trigger Um Because Diamond Poirier most likely will win this fight. If we're talking about straight percentages, I, I, you know, I'm giving this fight to Poirier. He is a dude who brings violence and a guy who can sustain throughout a fight, bringing a very high pace, closing distance. um, You know... He, he trains and fights at an exceptionally high level. I think now that he's at 55, that he almost probably feels like he has a brand new life because his body can get the proper nutrition it needs in the week leading up, in the weeks leading up to the fight. Um, a, a hard guy to bet against, but not impossible. But I do need that like 225 price. So guys, put him in your parlay and, and jack him up there maybe so I can throw a unit on MJ.
1: Yeah. So I mean. Dustin Poirier has a 50% striking accuracy. Michael uh, Dawson has a 35%. <laughs> and there's proof in that because, I mean, if you watch his last two fights, he's swinging at air, man. So, you know, with uh, I've never seen Michael win a fight where he's had to overcome adversity. I've seen him beat dudes' asses before. He yeah. has beat the fuck out of dudes before. But I've never seen when someone stands up to him and, you know, returns fire that he, he hangs in the fight. And you know what? Yeah. With, with uh, Dustin against uh, joe duffy in that first round he had to overcome some adversity his septum got smashed
0: yeah and D- that's what i was about to say dustin's a dude you could imagine michael even hedging out the first round you know playing the distance game and then dustin maybe kicking it into a next gear or making some sort of adjustment that swings the fight his direction because boy is a fighter like that he's going to grit it out i can still remember him being you know uh he might have been in mount or just, like, you know, uh, Cub Swanson was uh, on top position on him, pounding him out, and this kid was trying every second. This is when he was in discussions for the title shot, too. This was, like, a, a a fight of some consequence at the time, and I remember Cub Swanson ending the third round on top of him, pounding him out, but the kid was just trying it with every, you know, every ounce of himself to get out of that position. Um, so this is never-say-die, dude. Um... But I always worry about betting on the inferior athlete. Um, and that's why I'm looking for, for a big money return on a low risk situation on my boy, MJ.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, a fight's a fight. Anything can happen. Of course. But at, the end of, at the end of the day, Dustin Poirier is the more accurate striker, the more powerful striker, better cardio, better ground game. So, I mean, all the odds are in his favor as far as I'm concerned. It's just yeah. it just comes down to, you know, is Michael Johnson gonna put you down, which he is not known for. Knock on to. Yeah. He's only knocked out, you know, a couple of dudes that aren't in the UFC anymore. And Dustin, you know, okay, so Michael's had what, twelve to fifteen fights in the UFC, only sure. three knockouts. They've all been at lightweight. Uh, Dustin just joined the lightweight division. He's already got that same amount of knockouts in four yeah. fights. That yeah. I mean, that goes to tell you, in my opinion, that Dustin has way more knockout power. Than uh, than uh, Michael Johnson, but you know it comes down to more than knockout power. It comes down to your finesse, how you set up your shots. But I just have no reason to believe right now that Dustin can't beat Michael Johnson.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know what you could do is you could play a MJ by decision. You uh, he, he can hedge. win a five round decision. Oh yeah, this is a five round fight. Shit, you make a really great point. Holy shit, this changes everything. I hadn't really even considered it. You know what I mean? It's the main event, but I I, I hadn't really considered it like that. He's going to be falling apart in the fourth and fifth. Oh, goodness gracious. I didn't think Here's this one the
1: thing, man. I, I hate being overconfident. I don't ever want to disrespect a fighter or yeah. overlook them because MJ of course to, on his best day, he can beat Tony Ferguson and uh, Edson Barbosa and the way he knocked out Jason
0: Tebow. Jason is yeah, unknockable. Exactly. You know, you can't knock that dude out. And he cleared yeah. him out in the second round. He's a great fighter.
1: First man to do it since Nick Diaz back in, like, 08 or some shit. So
0: yeah. oh, but, damn uh,
1: hey, so we got to talk about some of these early prelims real quick.
0: Yeah, real quick. I could go through them all. I like a lot of dogs on the early prelims.
1: Awesome, man. Well, let's get right into it. We got Alejandro Perez. He's minus 120. The comeback on the newcomer, Albert Morales is plus 100 now i interviewed albert morales on half the battle earlier this week and really cool dude and you know he calls himself money morales he says if you want to make money bet on him and you know i watched his fights i'll tell you what he finished dudes in the regional scene he's big for the weight class he can knock guys out he can tap guys out you take him down he's looking for triangles i asked him all right man well let's say one of the higher level guys neutralizes your uh, attacks off your back how is your getup game? He's like, my getup game is fine, man. Like, you know, I, I I kick off the hips and I get back up. Now with Alejandro, obviously, I mean, look, he's got the experience. There's no doubt about it. He knows what it's like to win in the UFC in every way. He's won the uh decision. Actually, he's won via decision. He's won via a TKO twice. I thought for some reason he won via submission one time, but I am incorrect. And he knows what it's like to lose, man. I mean, he he lost in the most embarrassing way possible to um, to Patrick Williams, when it was like a 20 second loss, he got caught with a big punch in Mexico, Mexico City. You know, his hometown. Man, the, you know, his family was there, and he got finished in 20 seconds. But you know what? Since then, he's been looking better than ever. So that to me is the sign of a guy that's resilient and can overcome adversity. So he goes out there against Jorgensen, the vet. The vet, obviously, you know how to bet Alejandro there because you know you always fade Scott Jorgensen in the UFC. And uh, yeah, so Alejandro <laughs> came through there. Then with Ian Etwistle, that's when. I was really impressed with alejandro man because you know we all know that ian's gonna go for those leg locks but it's not it's one thing to know it's coming it's another thing to defend it you know ask anthony Burchak. you know what i'm saying so and uh alejandro defended it and then he finished him once again he trains at a great gym in aka so it comes down to the experience but with morales he's no fucking slouch man so once again i gotta sit out for this one dude because Uh, i know morales is good but i'm wondering is he you know is he big show good is he good enough to come in here in his ufc debut against a vet like this and put him away or you know are the bright lights going to be too much is he going to get grinded out you know it's one of them things you got to sit back and uh, just enjoy it because i'm going to tell you what win or lose whoever wins this fight i mean these two are going to throw down man and it most likely is not going the distance you know it's set at under one and a half
0: for a reason Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that this is going to be an explosive fight, and it's a great fight to start off the night. I think, though, this is gonna, uh, I think there's a lot of value, actually, here in uh, Perez. You, you touched on a lot of things, but I think what was most telling for me was this last fight, cro- traveling all the way to Croatia to knock out Ian Antwistle, who just had a short, you know, who had a two-hour flight from England. Um, you know, you, you, my hat's off to you doing something like that. Um, now, is Ian Antwistle a world beater? No, he's not, but neither is Albert Morales. Um, Morales is a tough guy on the California scene, 6-0 and guy, um, who, you know, we don't know where his potential lies, but you're going to tell me a guy who kind of got the call late notice against a guy like Perez, who's... You know, who's supposed to be fighting, you know, Manville the Anvil in this spot, and then you're going to come in there. So, you know, he's, he's probably was expecting a very physical fight. He's probably in a lot of shape. Or he's probably in great shape, you know, cardio-wise and, um, you know, strength training-wise. So I, I don't think you're going to wrestle fuck him. Um, I, I, I see Perez here, and I see Perez getting it done by uh, by the TKO or the KO. Um I wouldn't play the over-under game in it, because who cares if it happens earlier or if it happens late? Why not just take that straight money at that minus 120?
1: Yeah, and best of luck if you decide to pull the trigger on that, my friend. Now, next up, Randy Brown is minus 470. The comeback on Eric Montano is plus 375. I mean, Randy Brown, he's been a large favorite in all of his UFC fights, as far as I remember. I could be wrong. You know, one of them might have been a pick but I think he's been a big favorite in a, in a couple of these, man. And, you know... <laughs> Is this going to be the time where he finally looks good? Because, I mean, yeah, I respect Matt Dwyer a lot, but, you know, Randy was looking kind of rough there. He was feeling those UFC jitters. Then the next fight, you know, Michael Graves, my teammate, so obviously he's going to drop that one. But still, man, you know, still, man, if he's really this uh, hot prospect, he's got to have better performances. But he's a minus 470 favorite. You know, he's rightfully the favorite. I don't know if he's a minus 470 in this spot, though. I mean, he hasn't really proven himself, so montano you know he won the ultimate fighter latino america i actually thought he lost um i thought enrique, enrique marine yeah I, I thought marine beat him but once again you, you play close with the judges and you're gonna cry and you know you find out time and time again these judges will make you cry that's why you got to make a definitive statement so is randy gonna make that that statement here man
0: i don't think so i think that randy rude Boy brown's susceptible to submissions and I think that Eric Montaigne is good in submissions so all we need to do is get into some sort of scramble all we need is something weird to happen um, I, I know that people are really impressed with uh, uh, Randy Brown's stand-up but you know he, he, he's fighting ring of combat at 170 pounds in Atlantic City they, they you know that's a knockout organization um, maybe that's why he's such a big money maybe that maybe those AC books are are pumping in all the all that extra money on Randy Brown. But, God, uh, uh, he's a minus 470, and is and a 375. Even throw a half a unit on it. Throw a 30 unit on it. You know, you, you, I think the comeback uh, uh, is, is great on Montana right here. So, um, you know, don't go betting the whole bankroll, but Jesus Christ, throw a little bit out there. Have some fun in your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I never fault anyone for taking the shot on the dog, especially in this sport. For me personally, I have to sit back because, you know, his performance against Marine didn't give me that much faith to you know bet on him going forward but i again i don't fault you because randy brown hasn't been impressive enough to be a minus 470 so you know maybe they they see a big skill deficit in this fight you know obviously brown he looks he looks scary he's tall you know he fucked some dudes up on the regional scene but in the ufc it's a completely different ball game so it's about if eric can get him down to the ground or not so we have to tune in and find out best of luck to you you take that shot my man now uh Next up, we got Joey Gomez, he's minus 160, and Jose Canonez is plus 140. I'll tell you what, man, Joey Gomez is actually no slouch. You know, I thought when he fought Font, when I watched it live, I was like, oh, he got his ass whooped, but then I watched Ah. it again, and he actually held his own, man, and he didn't quit either. So props to Joey Gomez. And, you know, uh, my buddy uh, at Sun Tzu on Twitter was telling me about how – actually, this was in uh, James Lynch's interview. Uh, Shout out to my boy James. That, uh, you know, Joey, he, like, I think, he, he made, bottom line, he made a big investment in this camp. And he dedicated his entire life to this fight. But then again, you know, I don't know what Jose, what Jose Canones has been doing. Maybe he dedicated his entire life. Maybe he sold his house too, right? You know, you can never underestimate. You know, you remember that uh, part in Scarface where, uh, where uh, Tony Montana is at the at the club with uh, Frank Lopez, and Frank's like never underestimate the other guy's greed. So just <laughs> just because Joey Gomez, uh, you know, sold his house and this and that, doesn't mean that uh, that Jose is not taking the fight seriously. But as far as the styles, yeah, Joey long range striker, very nice straight punches. He's durable. Whenever he goes past the first round, he loses. I know it's only been one one loss, but he's never been past the first round in his wins. But not like he looked bad in the second round against Vaughn. It's just, you know, he was up against a beast in Vaughn. With Jose Canones, he's fought Alejandro Perez twice. He beat him the first time. The second time was for the ultimate fighter finale. And, man, he lost a point in that fight, and it cost him the entire thing because a lot of people thought he won that fight. Then he goes out there against uh, Leonardo Morales, the kid that fought Yair in their final for their weight class, and Jose choked him out in the first round. So the fact that you know he's at a – actually, it might have been the second round. I don't remember. But bottom line, he choked him out, and he was an underdog. And that one cashed. But, uh, you know, he uh, – this kid's good, man. He, he trains at a lion. So when you surround yourself with someone like Dominic Cruz and Eric Del Fiera, you're bound to make improvements. It's all about who's going to be better this Saturday in Hidalgo, Texas. I honestly have no idea. I understand why Joey's the favorite. But, I mean, dude, Teco is a very uh, motivated and hungry guy. So I'm not going to underestimate his ability to improve or rise to the occasion. I'm going to sit back and enjoy it, bro.
0: Yeah, I like Jose Alberto um, here in this spot, too, as an underdog. Um it's that Alliance training, man. I'm a real believer in that camp. I'm a real believer in their ability to game plan really well. And I know that, you know, Joey Gomez might have sold off everything that he owns to, to train for this camp, which, you know, poor guy, I feel almost bad for him when I hear stuff like this. But, um, you know, but, but where did he go and, and, and how much time was he able to spend with these people? Um, I think that fighters fight, it, I think that high-level fighting, really exceptional-level fighting, it ends up being an expression of, of who a person is and, and their personality. I think, you know, Joey Gomez's personalities clearly go out there and KO dudes. And I'm hoping that, you know, the brilliant minds at Alliance can allow Jose the skill set to avoid that early take uh, KO and then cruise to victory. You're looking at a return of uh, 140. I think that you could lay a decent chunk on this. One, two and a half. Uh, units maybe, it, I think it, it might be uh, advisable to throw on uh, Jose here, take a good swing on him, uh, but back to what you were saying against Rob Font, he looked really good in that fight, I, he had that nifty trip takedown he I remember distinctly coming out of that fight writing that this kid was a good prospect uh, and, and at least the stand-up skills were there yeah,
1: no doubt about it. But, you know, on the other side, Jose Canones, I like him, man. You know, he's not the most defensively sound or anything like that, but he's got that spirit about him. You know, he's got that hunger and that will, and he's super exciting to watch, man. He's a fun fighter. So we'll see what uh, Eric Del Fiera and Dominic Cruz can make of this kid because I know he's a hard worker, man. But then again, Joey Gomez is no slouch either. That's why, he, man, I got to take my hat off to Sean Shelby and Joe Silva. You know? He's a great matcher. Dude, there's been so many pickums lately, and it's just credit to their matchmaking. So, you know, it's sad to see Joe Silva go, but, you know, hit up your boy. I understand it's not just about making (laughs) fights. You got to be on the phone all fucking day and deal with everyone's bullshit on top of knowing every single fighter and making the fights. I understand, my man. Hit up your boy. But next up, we got Antonio Carlos Jr. He's minus 245. The comeback on Leonardo Augusto Laleco is plus 205 now i think that antonio carlos jr has the edge in every area of this fight except one and it's a very big edge yeah i mean it's a very important factor the heart i think that laleco's got a way bigger heart than carlos jr so you know carlos jr is a world-class jiu-jitsu guy he's big for the weight class so if he takes down laleco takes his back it's all about can Laleko defend the sub if he defends the sub uh, Carlos Jr. can slow down a little bit And then maybe uh Laleco can get off on his strikes Because in that fight with Anthony Smith I know Anthony Smith isn't the highest level fighter But uh, you know Depending on who the ref is in that fight Laleco could have got that third round TKO man Because he had him out He had him looking for the door It was all about the ref's preference at that point So you know And then dudes tend to come back better In their second UFC appearances So maybe he comes back looking better I mean Carlos Jr. I get why he's the favorite He's hyped you know he had a nice performance over Truck Gordon. But it's one of them things, man, where, uh, you know, should he be minus 245 in the spot? It, so is he going to submit Laleco early or not? Because, once again, if he doesn't, Laleco can finish him, man, in the, in the later rounds, you know, in the second or third round. So, once again, I got no idea. And, it, it, you know, it's one of those things where there's no shame in saying you don't know. You know, pick your spots, man. You know, pick your spots. That's what I'm doing, man. Fucking Dustin Poirier. The under in that fight, and the next fight we're about to talk about. But first, I gotta know, man. You got a uh, Cara de Zapato and Antonio Carlos Jr. Or do you think Leliko is gonna get the victory in a sophomore appearance?
0: My problem with Laleco is that he is a bit slow and a bit predictable, and it. You know, just doesn't seem like a very athletic dude. And, and you can always tell my preference. I, I like big, you know, studly athletes. You know, as we move forward in mixed martial arts, share the technique and the experience are nice. But being a freak athlete is also, also very nice. We just watch the epitome of it when, um, you, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar beat Mark Hunt. I'm, that's a huge digression. Jesus Christ. Back on topic. This fight. That was a sad day. <laughs> that was a sad day. Um, Lalekon has a great chin. He does really good work to the body. Um, I scored the second and the third round of that fight with um, Antonio Smith for him. Um, I would have given him the decision if I didn't give him that TKO victory. Um, I think he's gonna, he's gotta, or he's gotta avoid that takedown. The question mark with, you know, Antonio Carlos Jr. is the guy who won the. Know, tough Brazil thing at heavyweight, and now he's fighting at eighty-five pounds. It's not a small man. It's a guy who's used to being, you know, the strong guy and used to bullying people. But he's also the guy who lost to Dan Kelly. And he lost to Dan Kelly late because he lost like kind of the will to stay in that fight. Um, can Laleco repeat something like that. It would be a kind of a similar situation. Um, an aging fighter in his hometown gets a you know late comeback victory. It would be quite the moment. Um, I just don't see it happening. I love every single dog in the world, but I'm a passer on this one, guys.
1: Yeah, same here, bro. (laughs) This is the last fight we got to talk about. We got Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. He's minus four forty, and the comeback on Augusto Montano is plus three fifty. We said the best for last, right? So with uh, (laughs) with Augusto Montano, you know he's he's a point. He this guy's a point fighter. Point fighter. People are calling Michael Johnson a point fighter. Nah, my friends. Augusto Montaño is a point fighter. Now I know someone's going to be like, oh, but he has like eight first-round knockouts. I'm like, bro, this ain't the regional scene in Tijuana anymore, man. This is uh, this is the UFC. Those
0: are smokers that they're calling pro fights, baby. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, <laughs> listen, man, the ref don't got an earpiece here in the UFC. So, uh, But anyways... uh. So Augusto Montano, he loves to circle around the ring. You know, if you get desperate and you rush him, okay, he can land a straight punch. He can land a knee and possibly sit you down. I know Bilal got dropped a couple times by Juban, but look, man, Juban's no slouch. Juban comes to fight. Juban is experienced. There's no shame in losing to a guy like that. But you know what I took from that fight more than the fact that Bilal got dropped? The fact that in the third round, he won 10-8. So if you're going to get dropped a couple times in the first two rounds, then you come back and win the third round 10-8. That, to me, is a sign of a world champion. That's the heart of a champion. So here we go. Second fight, he's going to look better than ever, and he's going to take care of uh, Augusto Montaigne. Look, I get people saying, oh, minus 440 is you know, a little bit – too steep but okay but he's the rightful favorite for sure there's no questions asked here and the kind of fighters that give Augusto Montano problems are the guys that can walk him down and put that pressure on him that's Bilal Muhammad's whole game man he loves pressuring dudes and if he has to he can wrestle too I mean he's a former champion for Titan he knows what it's like to go to that fifth round and dig deep and uh, he can do that. You know, It's I, I talked to you back in the day about how Nicholas Dalby should only be in, involved in five-round fights. And, man, I got to say, on a side note, man, all those wars he's had in the UFC have caught up to him. But oh, before boy. that last one with Sabata, when he was 1-1-1 one, one, and one in the UFC and he was, you know, still a badass, I was like, bro, he should only fight in five-round fights. But, damn, man, you know, those, those fucking wars caught up to him. But back Maybe that's to- why people shouldn't fight
2: five-round fights. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, long term it would have cost him, but in those fights maybe he would have had a chance to. Out of fights, yeah. But uh, as far as Bilal's concerned, I think now that you know he, he's not fasting for Ramadan, even though he won't use that as an excuse, he said it made him stronger. So props to him for doing that because that's really fucking badass that he uh, he followed through with something like that and still showed up to the fight and still had a valiant effort and a fight of the night. So you know what? I'll take my hat off to him. You know, I, I don't know what the fuck that's like. So props to him. Um, for just doing what he believes in. And now uh, he's fully fed. He's fully hydrated. He's going to go out there and have the performance of his career against Augusto Montano in Hidalgo, Texas. I'm not much of a parlaying man, but when I am, it's situations like Bilal Muhammad and Dustin Poirier. I parlayed them. I also, as you know, played Gabriel Benitez, and I played the under in the main event. What do you think about Bilal Muhammad versus Augusto Montano? Uh,
0: you know, Bilal uh, Muhammad, what do you say? think? That was a fantastic fight against Alan Ban? Um you know, for that to be your only loss, there's no real shame in that at all, right? Um, but I just can't justify a, a, a dude coming off of a loss uh, at, a, at a minus 1 or, or 440. Uh, that's just so insane, and I know that that number is going to balloon up. You know that this is parlay fodder all day. I love the idea of throwing a quarter unit on uh, Mr. Augusto Montana uh, right before the start of this card. Um, you know, just something to float out there. You know, you, you're talking to a guy who isn't, you know... Who is a point fighter, but I think that's maybe you know to his advantage. He he fights at at Jackson, Winkle Johnson. They're gonna give him a good game plan against this dude. He's gonna have something out there, and, and he's gonna have some sort of way to utilize his skill set to get a victory. So why not pick up, take a low level, nothing bad out there, and, and throw it on Dodger? I'm not a huge fan of the guy's style. Um, you know anyone who's gonna lose a legit fight. Or legitimately lose to Cahal Pendred and then take a year off. You know, you're 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 not the, you're not the best in my book. Um, but I I gotta just play these numbers straight up, and you're gonna see this number float to plus four hundred. Plus, you know, maybe 450. You, you might as well th- throw a quarter unit you're going to spend at the bar anyway on him.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sorry, man. I hope you lose that one because I got. <laughs> and look, you know, just on your point about Greg Jackson's and this and that, but look, man, uh, Augusto, not only does he have Greg Jackson in that fight with Cajal Pendred, I mean, he was juiced to the gills, man. He tested positive. Oh, shit. But- is that why he's been out? Yeah, man, so he looks like that when he's juiced. What's he going to look like in this USADA era? Oh,
0: the juice factor. (laughs) You told me that uh, there was a five-round main event, which that was dumb of me. Man, then you reminded me of the juice factor. Oh, man. Big juice factor, man, and
1: uh, hopefully we uh, punish this juice head.
0: I don't know. I'll throw the quarter on him. We'll see how it lands. Hopefully he wins and tests positive, and then he gets the two-year suspension, but I still cash my bet.
1: Yeah, so uh, one of us is gonna have a smile on our face. We'll see who it is. That remains to be seen. But before- I'll tell you what, both
2: of
0: us are gonna have our smile on our face because even if I lose that quarterback, I'll be happy that you won it, brother.
1: My man, that that's a true friend right there. Now <laughs> we, we gotta talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, oh shit, your opinion, man, what's the fight to watch for UFC Hidalgo?
0: Hmm, what is the fight to watch for UFC Hidalgo? Um. We could go, like, deep and early, but um, let's not, because I have a feeling that you might... This is a long night of fights, guys, so you're probably going to enjoy this one maybe if you come in a little bit late and fast-forward through, fill in some of these previews with uh, the preliminary cards, if you know what I mean. Get on that DVR game, fast-forward. You know what? You kind of convinced me that it might be fun to watch a grapple fest between uh, Juan Canero and Kenny Robertson. Now, that's one that can blow up in my, in my face because this could also be the most boring fight of the night, but it could be really fun. And I have a feeling that people are going to get dangerous here, and, and we're going to see people shoot for takedowns. Probably Kenny. Juan's going to probably give up position and look to find a spot, and maybe we'll have a fun grapple fest.
1: And look for a summation. Summation. Uh, <laughs> in in, in jiu But uh, listen, man, I got to agree with you there. I mean, that's a hell of a fight. If they grapple, as we mentioned earlier, it's going to be a thing of beauty. So that's absolutely one of your fights to watch. As far as I'm concerned, man, i got to go with Chaz, the scrapper, Skelly versus Maximo Blanco, no matter the outcome of this fight. They're going to they're gonna fight until one guy gets finished. It's not going the distance. So it's about is Maximo going to knock him out or is Chaz going to weather a storm, take him down and choke him out. That's your fight to watch. Now, Andrew, who is the fighter to watch at UFC Hidalgo?
0: Okay, everyone knows the real fighter to watch is actually Diamond Dustin Poirier, but we're not going to say Diamond Poirier because this is his highlight. This is really like a career-defining moment for an ex- an excellent fighter who you know, has been a prospect for a long time. A lot of eyeballs have gone on Dustin. This is really his night to, to take a step forward as a marketable commodity and as a name as a fighter. So this is the, uh, a night you live for as a fighter. Diamond Dustin Poirier, is, it's really his night. But the fighter to watch... Is going to be um, uh, Mr. Gabriel uh, Benitez, I think that if yeah. he knocks out Sam Sam's Cecilia, you know It's probably a really great name on his resume, you know gets him that elusive Wikipedia page and um, you know locks in a substantial uh, UFC career
1: I Can't go against that because that's my boy right there. He's gonna blast those big kicks. Gabriel Benitez is definitely one of your fighters to watch now uh, as far it's as funny. I'm concerned man I mean, look, you, you you hit the nail on the head with that intro, man. I mean, Dustin Poirier, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, if we were on Before the Bald Man Speaks, which is the show that you host after every fight, immediately after the main event, my friends, Before the Bald Man Speaks, I would be saying to you right now, if Dustin wins this fight, you know, the UFC played this perfectly. They're giving this kid that main event slot. That's how you build a star. So, I mean – he's the one doing all the interviews he's the one that was on ufc tonight he's the one going on all the podcasts you know as far as i'm concerned it looks like uh the ufc is pushing for a diamond to get this victory you know they they're they want him to win they want to build that star because i mean he's such an exciting fighter he's a marketable fighter as well but just look at his fights man the fights speak for themselves he's every single fight he's had in the ufc there hasn't been a boring one even in his losses they're unbelievable the fight with korean zombie i mean People are like, oh, he lost a Korean zombie. I'm like, bro, he was like 22 back then, firstly. And secondly, that was like fight of the year back in the day. That, that was an unbelievable legendary fight. fight, man. Unbelievable fight. And the way he submitted Max Holloway back in the day with that, you know, he, he was a mounted triangle and then he pulled the lever with that armbar.
0: That was that a Korean zombie fight on Versus? Yeah, bro. It was yeah, I, uh, the memory comes in sometimes. Just the yeah. weird details.
1: Such a good fight. And, you yeah. know, even the fight with Connor, you know, people only talk about the end result. But up until then, I mean, Dustin knocked out one of Connor's teeth. And, uh, you know, he actually stood and banged with Connor, which one doesn't simply do. So, you know, when whenever you get two warriors standing and banging until one guy falls, hey, you know, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. I tip my hat off to guys like that. But now at 155, he's taking the shots better. You know, his whole camp isn't revolved around making the weight. He's not, you know, he's not – it's, you know, at 45, he, like, didn't look forward to, to the fights anymore. He got burnt out, man. But now at 155, he's got a new lease on it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, Real quick, I remember an embedded that when he was making 145 or, or some preview show where he was talking about the, the only thing he liked and the only joy he had in camp was gum. Because it was like the only time he could actually eat anything with flavor, so he just had like 18 different packs of sugar-free gum, and he was going through it like like a man would talk about like a harem that he had, and all like the women that lived in his harem. That's how with the love that he put into this gum. So you know, I'm so happy to hear that this guy can like eat a sandwich or two during his training camps now. <laughs> so you know, I, I think it's it's all for the best, and I think it, it's such a true point. He just takes the shots a lot better than he, than he did at 45. Yeah, he
1: he was that deep into the game where he was just chewing on some gum, you know. Only gum.
0: 2 weeks before the fight, only gum. That's the only diet.
1: Oh, <laughs> Dude, I don't know if you ever saw I don't know if it was embedded or back when Dana had his little baby video blogs, but you remember that fight where Anthony Rumble Johnson fought Vitor and he missed weight by, like, 12 pounds? So, in the little video blog leading up to the fight, so they go backstage, they tell Vitor that, hey, man, this kid's not going to make the weight, but if you want to get paid, you know, or or actually, why don't you show up to the weigh-ins and make the weight and just to show that you're a true professional? Vitor's, like, fucking chewing on ice and shit. It was rough to watch, man. It goes back to what you're saying about that uh, that gum, man. Some dudes uh, chew on ice and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, go back and watch that Dana video vlog. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the ice chewing thing's always nice. You think you're drinking a whole glass of water when you've been dehydrating yourself and you get that ice cube. You're like, you're going to give me an ice cube? Yes! I'm so excited for ice.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Shit, dude. I could sit here and talk fights with you for the next hour, but we got to wrap things up. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Always a pleasure, my man. We will be talking very soon. I mean... Fuck, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Johnson. This is going to be an unbelievable fight between two warriors, and uh, we'll see. Uh, you know who advances to that title picture, man. And I can't wait. So, Andrew, let the audience know where to follow you. Let us know what's coming up, and everything. Anything else you want to plug, bro? Now's the time.
0: All right. First of all, thank you very much, Mister Daniel, for uh, putting me on the show. Always good to always good to just chat with you anyway, and um, an exciting. A bunch of cards in the middle of nowhere, Texas, is a good excuse enough to get together. Um, people find me uh, on Twitter at the clown kid. All three of those words, string them together, put them into your computer. Find me on the interwebs. I will talk fighting with you. Um, any time of the day, why not text me, or hit me up on, uh, uh, on the Twitter machine, uh, I host a podcast called Before the Bald Man Speaks, it's live on YouTube, immediately after every single main event, this man, you must know, has been a, a frequent guest, only for the big cards, only for the big shit do we, do we call upon uh, best fight picks himself, um, yeah, so we'll be live after after this event, and, and most events that happen in UFC, Um I'm also on the MMA Circus that's hosted on Bloody Elbow. They're both available as podcasts. Go on iTunes. Just type in the titles. Come on, people. You know how the internet works. Uh, Thank you very much for having me, Dan. Again, appreciate you. Um, Always always a good time.
1: Appreciate you, my man. For all the fans, thank you guys so much for checking out Half the Battle. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Please do. Follow me on Twitter at BestFightPicks. Go to BestFightPicks.com. Until the next time, let's cash these bets. And this episode is dedicated to my boy, the MMA Genius. Peace.
2: My mama was raised in the ever wind. Clean water was only served to the fairest skin doing clothes you would have thought I had help but it wasn't satisfied unless I picked the cotton myself you see it's broken the race nest that don't touch anything in the store, and it's written the race nest that come in please by more. what you want a Bentley fur coat a diamond chain all you blacks want all the same thing used to only be younger. now by playing spinning It's leaders and it's followers But I'd rather be a brick than a swallower